And, and multiple times in our lives, I think that if we are honest with ourselves, we don't believe those words. I think that if we're truly honest with, uh, with ourselves, there have been moments and times in our lives where saying God is thick all around me just seems like just a lie, just a falsehood. Because we're like, God, where are you? There are moments in our lives where saying God is good doesn't feel right. Because at the moment, it doesn't feel like God is good at all. And Jordan encouraged us to, even if you don't feel it, to sing it so that you can begin to feel it if you're not in that spot. And man, I, I love that. That is very rabbinic thing. You don't, you obey without understanding because in the obedience comes the understanding. And I think at times like this, um, for, for songs like this, sometimes it is very necessary for us to say, God is good. God is good to seeing those things over and over and over and over again until we understand them as truth again. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about um, the necessity to have a community that was that was open enough so much so that somebody could stand up in the middle of a service and say, I'm having problems. We're having problems in our marriage and and we're OK and accepting enough to to understand how much courage it took for someone to stand and, and to understand that that we all have been through times like that where we need help and and shouldn't we do the same? I mean, how many of you really have ever been in a moment where where you hear that old camp cry, God is good. And all the time. Wow, y'all are not TBRM people, apparently. You two are. I know you two are. You should be getting it. It's your birthday. It's the Smith Boys, twin, the twin Smith Boys, 14th birthday today. Um, that's right. They're both like, I'm going to hit you later. Um, that's great. Yeah, you know, that old camp thing where, you, where they shout out, God is good, and it shouts about all the time, and all the time, God is good. You know, and you, and you pump yourself up, yes, God is good, yeah. But if we're really being honest with ourselves, have you ever had a moment where saying those words was a little bit hard for you? Have you ever had a moment in your life where saying, God is thick all around me, just seems like, uh, where is he? Because I'm looking. Too often, we hear from pastors, including myself, I'm sure, that if you're a believer and you're a disciple, then things are great all the time. That if you're following Jesus, then it's just beautiful. Life is good. Because God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. And truth, though, if you look at the story of the disciples, you don't see that. You don't see that at all. If you look at my own life, you don't see that. There have been multiple times in my life where I've cried out for God to show himself because I had no idea if he was even around anymore. There have been multiple times in my life where if you wanted me to say God is good all the time, I'd be like, uh-uh. Not right now, he's not. A few weeks ago, we um, ushered in a new speech therapist to our family. Now, when Grace goes through therapists, it's a very delicate balance in how we handle things. We've had just, I don't know how many therapists between OT and PT and ST and this T and that T, all these different T's. It, they just come and, and they go. And, and, and it's not because we get to a point. Some of them, we had a speech therapist who specialized in oral aversion. And uh, it was when Grace was on her hunger strike. 
Um, I still don't know if she was protesting, but um, she w- when she wouldn't let anything in her mouth, and this, this woman came to our house, and she was good about getting kids to accept things in their mouth again, and, and her name's Jennifer, and whew, I credit her along with God for getting grace off the feeding tube because she, she got grace to take food into her mouth again, and, um, and so getting her to eat, uh, and now we, we can't, can't stop her really at times, but um, it, it's a, you know, just such a beautiful thing, so, and then, so she moved on, you know, we, we you're done, you've graduated, and we move on. But sometimes um, therapists will leave their jobs and go somewhere else, and so we lose them. And uh, This recent one, our speech therapist, uh, Grace, really got along with and, and was really doing some great things and good progress with, but she changed companies, and, and so we needed to find someone new. And because Grace has that little Nova chat that you might have seen her carrying around today, um, we wanted somebody who has the, the knowledge to work with these um, assisted communication devices, which is what they call them. And, and so we, we searched and we found somebody that her name's McKenna. And McKenna is just this wonderful woman who um, has a daughter with special needs and, and understands a lot of the life and a lot of the trials and tribulations that come with that. And, and so she came over to our house because she only does therapy in homes. Therapy in homes doesn't go well for us at our home because um, there's a lot of distractions mainly those of us that live at the house. And, and so Grace needs really to go somewhere and to be focused. Like, this is work. Therapy isn't play, it's work. It can be fun, sure, and it's play. You know, it's, it's playing, you're just playing, but you're learning and it's work. This is your job right now. And so when she goes to places, she gets in that mindset, but at home it's different. And so McKenna came over and um, the other day to introduce herself to Grace, and that went well, so she came back for the next time. And the thing about Grace is, um, if Grace, if you, if you get on Grace's list of people I'm not going to work with, you don't ever get off Grace's list of people I'm not going to. I mean, like if, if you and it, it could be nothing that you know of that you said or did. It's just Grace has this sense about people. You're evil. I'm done. Um, and she moves on. There, there was a therapist uh, who started this agency called Team Ability, which is just this amazing thing. One of the reasons we believe um, Grace walks is from their therapy there. But the head person there who started this, Grace couldn't stand her. I mean, at all. She would enter the room and Grace would go face down on the floor. Just dead weight. You know, I'm dead. And wouldn't move until the lady left the room. And it was nothing that this lady did. We have no idea. And we're like, we're so sorry. Um, You know, it's it's not you. We promise. And she's like, oh, I don't care. And she'd like push it. We're like, well, that's not going to help. Um, but so the, Grace is really finicky in how she lets people in. So McKenna comes over, and we really want her to work. And so we give her, okay, before you talk to her, you have to woo Grace. you got to get Grace to like you so that she'll work with you. And, and one of Grace's teachers from years ago told us that. And, and it's true. you gotta, you got to get really on Grace's level. She's got to really like you before she'll do something for you, and, which is pretty much the way the rest of us are too, right? Uh, but so she comes in, and we start doing... This therapy, and I don't know what I said um, to tick Jenna off, but I said something so that I had to stay in the room with the therapist and Grace as our first session goes. So Jenna's like, oh, look at the time. I've got to go and backs out of the door, shuts the door very quickly. And I'm like, well, what just happened? So I'm in there with McKenna and Grace. It's not going well. Um, McKenna is trying to get Grace to do some things. She sets this little visual timer. We have 10 minutes. We're going to do this. We'll just do a couple of songs, and then that's it for today. And, um, but Grace is, she's done. Um, and so she starts just wailing and moaning. Um, she starts lashing out at me, and she starts attacking me physically. And 
um, and then she lashes out at McKenna, and it just gets from bad to worse in a hurry. Um, Jenna's texting me, do you need me to come in there? Um, I didn't have my phone, so that re- I saw those texts later. I'm like, oh, that was great. Um, maybe if you thought so, you should have come in, really, is how we should have played this one. Um, but it, it's, just, it's just going horrible and, and horribly, and, and so McKenna's going, I'm, I'm sorry, and I'm like, it's not you. Um, and, you know, it's not you know, like this. And so it's just as bad. I, I can laugh about it now because I've already cried about it. But so, um, so it, it was just this horrible thing. And so Jenna finally comes in towards the end. We're like we've waved the white flag and Jenna comes in and, and she sits and we're on Grace's bed. Grace is in between the two of us. And, and she is just, I'm having to physically hold her down so that she doesn't attack Jenna. And she's just screaming. Um, and she is, she's little, she has low muscle tone and she's nine, but she's shockingly strong. Um, when those muscles engage, they are pretty impressive. Duh. But um, so she's sitting there, and she, I'm just ho- having to hold her, hold her down, and um, and I'm looking at Jenna, and and Jenna um, is, you know, she and I are giving um, little signals to one another um, so that McKenna can't see what we're really kind of saying and um, and doing. And McKenna's going, okay, so how can we work this better next time? And we're like, please, there's no, you're done. Uh, there's no next time. Uh, uh, there was, and she did great. But uh, it, so it's just this horrible thing. And I have this moment where I thought life would be so much easier if we put her in a home. Our home would be so much more peaceful. Our world would be so much better if she just wasn't here. You see, what was happening right there for me was if you said God is stick all around me at that moment, I'd be like, where? Where is he? God is good for who? I had this moment of, God, I'm going with you. I'm walking down the path. And then I turn around. I'm like, where did you go? I thought we were here together. What happened? Because you're clearly not in this room right now. I understand those moments. Now that moment came into my head and it quickly went out and was followed quickly by guilt and shame for thinking that. And fear of having her be under someone else's care. A whole litany of things went through my head after that. But that remembrance of the question, where are you? It's not the only time that's happened in my life. It's happened other times as well. It happens to all of us. It happens to all of us from time to time. Now look, as God calls us to be disciples, he says, come follow me. Come be like me. And if you look, Jesus Christ lived his life in such a way that it seems like he never would have said, God, where are you? He never would have thought, you know, God is good all the time. No, 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 that's not true. But if you remember when Jesus is on the cross, he cries out, Why have you forsaken me? So if you've ever been in this place where God is good, just doesn't roll off the tongue like you think it should. 
that you're Johnny and Jill Christian. And, and because you are, you have to say God is good all the time. And you know that God is thick all around you all the time. If you've ever found yourself in a place where maybe that doesn't come so easily, you're in pretty good company. It's not something to be ashamed of. In fact, the, the guy who Jesus said he would build his church upon had a couple of moments like that. In Matthew 14, the story goes like this. It's such a wonderful story. Immediately after this, Jesus made his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Afterward, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him, they were screamed in terror, thinking he was a ghost. Okay, I have to do a sidebar here. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but I think this is one of the greatest moments of comedy in Scripture. Because I don't know if you've ever pictured this, but I just picture Jesus as he's walking going, Ooh, you know, like this. Just to, you know, mess with the disciples. I think that's such a wonderful thing. Sorry. But Jesus spoke to them at once. It's all right, he said. I'm here. Don't be afraid. But Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to, to you by walking on water. All right. Come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water towards Jesus. But when he looked around at the high waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him. You don't have much faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, in this amazingly unforgettable scripture, we have Peter, who is uh, the eldest of the group, who is the one that they are going to uh, build the church upon, so says Jesus. One of the first disciples called by Jesus as Jesus is walking along the shoreline. He looks out to Peter and his brother and says, come, follow me. In other words, come be just like me. Come learn everything about me. Come hear what I have to say. Come see how I live my life and be this way. At this moment, Peter has just witnessed Jesus feed 5,000 people with a very little bit of food. He's heard this amazing teaching. And then Jesus, who needs a little bit of alone time, sends everybody away and says, hey, go to the other side. I'll be with you in a moment. So the disciples get in the boat and they go. Now, this is not unfamiliar territory for Peter, right? He was a fisherman. You would think because he was a fisherman, he spent some time on the sea. He has been there multiple times. In fact, he was in a boat when Jesus called him. So we know this is not his first rodeo on the water. It is probably not the first time he's encountered wind and waves on the water. But it was such an extent they were a little panicked. And then when Jesus comes walking, Peter has this moment of like, oh, yeah, we can do this. Call me out and I will walk to water on you. And I just imagine Jesus going, oh, okay, come on. This is going to be awesome. I just think Jesus was a lot funnier than we give him credit for. But So Peter steps out of the boat. And he begins to walk. But then he sees the waves and the wind and things. I mean, because think about it. It is culturally against everything he knows to do what he is doing. 
It is historically, intellectually, occupationally against everything he knows to get out of the boat in the middle of the water and to begin to walk. Yet when Jesus calls him, he says, all right, let's go. But then, but then he has this moment where he's like, God, you're thick all over mouth. Wait, where are you, God? He has this moment where the world seems to be closing in on him. And he begins to express some doubts. Maybe not verbally, but so much so that he begins to sink. Jesus grabs him and says, where's your faith? I got you. If we want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ calls us to live in radical ways. He says, be just like me. He was radical. He was a radical human being. He brought people from the dead. Blind people, see you again. You have leprosy, we'll clean you up. In fact, we'll do ten of you at one time. It's a big deal today. He fed thousands of people with a little bit of food. He did all of these amazing things. He walked on water. All of these amazing things. He was a radical. He stood against the religious power of the day and said, this doesn't work anymore. He stood against depression and said, no, 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 no. This is not how my father intends us to live. He stood against death and he proclaimed life. Even death of projectors. (laughs) Jesus was a radical in the way in which he lived. And he called us to do the same. If we are to be like Jesus, we are to be radical in the way in which we live our lives. He called the disciples to radically change what they were doing. Nobody left their job at the age that these guys did. That was radical. Nobody, like they did when he sends them out two by two, would go to the places they went to preach the news that they were doing and to do so in such a way that most of them died for it. That was radical. Jesus said, what I have done, you will do far greater things because the counselor, the spirit will be with you. So go and be radical in the way in which you live. And when Jesus calls us as disciples, he doesn't go, okay, you're a disciple now. Put it in neutral and just coast. I have to tell you that um, things in our world are going pretty well. Yes, we have these speech therapist outbursts and apparently I didn't see it, but my wife was very attacked um, right before the service up there on the front row. And it was all, I think, Nate's fault, really. Um, but uh, and, and so, there, I mean, there, yes, things like this happen. But really, I, I have a good job. We have a we have a wonderful home that we love. Um, we have a, a great puppy who's smarter than all of yours. And, you know, it's just it's just going um, re- really well for us. But when I was in Seattle last week, I know Daryl told you I was up there studying and I was reading this this book, and it was even before classes started, and I texted Jenna, it was pretty early in the morning, and I said, what would you think if we gave up TV for a year? And, yeah, where are the gasps? I think there should be more gasps uh, about that, because, but before, like, the satellite could finish transmission, Jenna had already sent back a yes with 7,000 exclamation points. It would be a radical move in my home specifically for me and the boy, to give up television for a year? How radical would it be to take those things that suck our attention away from one another away for a year? And then we're forced to, I don't know, 
communicate, to talk, to play board games, to play. We played dominoes last night, and I dominated, and they eventually kicked me out of the game. I'm like, that's right. Don't mess. Um, but, but to do things in such a way that we actually connect with one another again instead of connecting with people that we don't know and things that aren't even real. How much time do we lose being sucked into a series, a television show, a movie, whatever it is, a sporting event? How much time do we lose? Kids are looking at their parents going, this is, doesn't play in our house. How much time do we lose with all of these things that we could gain together as a family? How radical would that be? I took it a couple of steps, a giant leap further, actually. I said, what if, um, what if we refinanced our house and we built a second story and we put two bedrooms up there with a bathroom and we get the kids up there with like a gate so we could like shut them in periodically and um, don't, don't judge us. Uh, but then downstairs in the rooms that they vacate, we have an empty bedroom now. Over the course of the, the years, there have been multiple times when people in our community have needed a place to stay for a night, for two, for a week? What if we, we restructured our lives and our finances, and I don't even know if it's financially possible or responsible or physically possible to do this on our home, but to do so in such a way that when somebody is going through one of those times where they show up and they're like, I need help, I need a place to stay, we're like, come on, stay with us. As long as you can take the crocker crazy. As long as you can hear the word picture 7,000 times a day, because that's what happens, you're welcome. How radical would it be to begin to live your life? What, what would the neighbors think? You know, oh, you're heading on to your house. That's great. Yeah, we're welcoming strangers. Come on in. But what would that tell our children? What would that teach Corbin and Gracie? What would that teach me, who's really private? I, I mean, I, you probably don't get this from my sermons, but I really don't like people very much. Um, I especially don't like strangers in my house. How radical would it be for me to take this move and to move beyond who I am and maybe, maybe walk on water a little bit? What would it be like in your life? If you're, if you're a person who's decided to follow Jesus, Jesus walked along the shore and he said, hey, come follow me. And you said, yes, I am in. But you found yourself living life in cruise control. Maybe it's time to reevaluate some things and say, how can we live more radically? Our rabbi is a radical individual. The disciples were radical. The way in which we are called to live is not a normal life. It's radical. If somebody tells you to step out of a very solid and secure boat and to walk on water... They're not calling you to go the standard way. So the question I have is, what do we need to do to recapture a little bit of that? What do we need to do to, in the midst of those times where we can't say God is good all the time, in those moments where we're like, God is thick all around us somewhere, in those moments of doubt when they come and they will and they do, what would it look like if we said, no, 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 no. I'm going to step out of the boat right now. I'm going to step out of the boat and walk on water. What would it be like if we changed our lives to live more radically? 
Now, now look, the things that I, the examples that I said in my life are, are something that the crockers are praying about, something that works for us. It may not work for you. Something radical for you may be so much different. Maybe it's talking to the person at work that you really don't like and dealing with them in a way of love. Who knows what it is? But I'll tell you this. If you are to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, then the call to step out of the boat doesn't just go to Peter. It goes to all of us. So what would it like, what would it be like for all of us to walk on water? Let us pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for the life that you have given each of us.